in real estate in general, it's just getting harder and harder to find those great deals that actually pencil out. There's still good deals out there to be found. It's just you're going to have to do more digging into it. You're also going to be looking a little bit more creatively. We're here to empower high income earners to gain back control of your time through financial independence and stop trading your time for money and start letting your money work harder for you. And hey, if you want to meet other high income earners on their FIRE journey, join our High Income Earners FIRE Facebook group. Every month we'll have guest speakers and we'll share about what our team is currently working on and allow you to share what you are working on with other high income earners. High Income Earners FIRE podcast is brought to you today by Bonavest Capital, where we partner with investors to build up passive income through real estate syndications and start living a lifestyle by design. As well as Say Yes Stock Option Investing, where we show high income earners how to generate consistent cash flow with your phone and accelerate your journey to financial freedom. Welcome back to another episode of High Income Earners Fire Podcast. I'm with my co-host, Aline Prack, and I myself, again, Cody Ye, <laughs> say yeah to fire. And today we're going to spend some time talking about some major concerns that are in the market, whether that's for very savvy investor or just really for everyday income earners, right? So what's on the top of their minds? Really three things. First is where are we going with inflation? Where are we heading with interest rate? And how's inflation interest rate altogether impact where is it going in the short, medium, and long term in the stock, real estate, and just the business, the consumer market in general, right? And that's welcome our co-host Aline Prack first before I say too much. <laughs> hey Cody, this will be fun. <laughs> so yeah, this is fun. And we did some homework. We have some chart prepared. So at some point, we're going to share the charts as well. So if you're driving, don't try to look at the charts. We're definitely not visually, but and all that. If you guys want to watch where we share live, it's on YouTube. Go to the YouTube and check it out. High Income Earners Fire podcast. And um, that being said, let's jump right into our first topic, which is inflation. Okay. So allow me to share a chart here. I'm sharing my screen now. This is the inflation chart for the past, I can put it at 10 years. Again, this is a chart from trading economics. I type in interest rate charts first on Google. That's the first link. Okay. No sponsorship, no nothing. It's just good data. They have very solid data. So for 25 years, inflation has always been if you guys can see on the chart, always been kind of below the 4% since the 2000, right? Even the dot-com bubble did not go lower. Yeah, during the 2008, 2009, actually went below 0%. And, you know, because they continue to print money and all that came right back up. And then the other time, the most recent time where the inflation went below zero was COVID timing. And again, with all the money printing and what we so-called the quantitative easing <laughs> the inflation, blew right over 0% all the way to as high as 8%. So, if And we, this is the Canadian inflation rates. This is Canadian inflation. So let's see if we have the US inflation rates. I would suspect to be very, very similar just because we're brother and sister. I want to say who's the brother, who's the sister. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this sense, you obviously would be the brother, I would be the sister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if we put out a 25-year chart and we move back and forth, you can kind of see that it's very, very similar, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of- The trend of, at least. Yeah, the, both the dip in 2008 and kind of smaller dip in US with COVID, but bigger dip in 
It's actually very similar. So Canadian, US, the chart looks very, very similar. It all went above almost a little bit more than 8% in 2022. And same in US as well. So very similar, but now it kind of come back down since the height up around like June to August timing. So Aline, where do you think our inflation is heading? So it seems based off of the current consensus and what everything is going on, it seems like inflation is going to continue to rise for a little bit longer. At least what we've been hearing and what's been trending so far, we're going to hit a little bit more of a high before we start seeing a dip and a turnaround, especially with the interest rates rising and everything like that. And the economic economies kind of changing in the current environment. Yeah, we're seeing the inflation rate continuing to rise a little bit more before we see it coming down. Yeah, that's a very solid prediction and also just information i get on my end because you know we have a whole team doing all the research when how the government determine inflation there's really one main factor they look at is called cpi consumer price index and there's a cpi and the core cpi so the difference between those twos are the core cpi do not track food costs or the energy costs because those are the two things the government can't really control but when they're tracking like the core CPI without the food and energy, like the oil and all that, the gasoline, they start kind of growing at a slower speed. They're still going up, mm-hmm. but the slope, right? Sorry, I'm an engineer, so I use technical terms. The slope is getting more flat. So it's not moving up as fast. And really like, you know, the feds, Jerome Powell is really looking at CPI and want to make sure he does everything in his power to stabilize inflation because inflation will impact everyone. You know, if you have money in the bank, cash, you're basically losing value, right? So that is, they want to target at 2%. And, you know, for a lot of real estate investors, the inflation of 2% is really what they banking on. That's why they put their projection of appreciation of about 3 to 5%. That's because they're banking on inflation of 2%. So that's why the feds and, you know, like the all the countries around the world are trying to control that but now they kind of ran out of control because of money printing that's why they continue to rise the interest rate hoping that they can kind of push the inflation down right whether that's kind of curve the economical market the stock market the real estate market just kind of cool it off a little bit right so we're still seeing it going up it's kind of plateau when i say when it will plateau but um we hope to see the ending to that soon because it's very awkward in the market where whenever feds come out with a news, whether it's a good news or whether it's a bad news, it's always bad news. So I don't know if Elaine Prack, you feel that. Have you felt it, Elaine? Yeah. I mean, I think everybody is kind of feeling it in some way, shape or form, whether or not in their day-to-day lives, you can see it in terms of like the cost of goods going up, like everywhere you're going, your $100 or whatever like that doesn't get you very far nowadays. Mm-hmm. And then so on your everyday lives, you're seeing the impact of it. And then also if you're looking for investments, a lot of the sentiment also right now is being a little bit more cautious about being a little bit more wary, jumping into new investments or different types of things. But how do we hedge against the inflation? How do we protect our dollars or Canadian dollars? And so it's like looking for different ways, but definitely there are a lot more speculation going on and how people approach their investing as well. Yeah. And that's really great insight. Like your dollar is definitely losing value, doesn't stretch as far. That's why the government is really trying to cool this inflation off. And the funny thing in the market is that whenever the feds come out and say, you know what, the economy is doing well, then the market tank, 
Why? Because they know if the market is doing well, the economy is doing well, the Fed's going to raise the rate. Now, <laughs> on the flip side, if the Fed's come out and say, we're not going to raise the rate because the economy is not doing that well, the market tank. Because they think, uh oh, now we're in trouble. Now we're going to a stagflation where <laughs> there's not much growth, but inflation is still high. So either way, the market is never fearful and bearish side of things. And we can actually kind of see it in S&P 500 charts. This is just a one-year chart here, right? Since kind of December, they start coming down, going up, coming down, go up a little bit in June, bottom about June, and then went up in August, and then come back down to a lower bottom than June. So the question for a lot of people is, is this going to be the bottom? Or where we're we heading from here, like a lot of some people, you know, some experts call it that the pain has yet to come. There's some big hedge fund managers never have a down year in history. Say that 2023 is where the recession is really going to happen. We haven't seen pain or blood on the street yet. Meanwhile, there's other people saying that, hey, you know what? This might be the bottom because of all the fearfulness. Everything is still doing well. Again, we don't have the crystal ball, but maybe Aline has it. But if, Le if Aline has the crystal ball, like, what do you think? You know, besides our inflation, we kind of see that kind of plateau. Where is our interest rate hike? And what's kind of your prediction? Or maybe just amount the circles of investor you're in and all the smart people. What do they think? Yeah. So I think I broke my crystal ball when I was trying to transport it. So unfortunately, <laughs> I don't have that with me. <laughs> I wish I had one. I wish I had a backup spare, but I don't. But really what we're seeing too right now is there comes a certain point, I think, when inflation and interest rates continue to go up to a certain point where the economies can no longer support it, you know, the normal average everyday people, they're going to feel it the most. Um, governments are starting to evaluate and they're already seeing that kind of movement happening right now. So in the US, what we're seeing too right now is interest rates just went up like 35 basis points. And then November, there's talk also that they have the option of increasing interest rates again. So we're not seeing the bottom of it yet. We're still seeing things increasing. Still things are moving up at this time. And so things are still very hazy right now on the next couple months. And so a lot of people are looking for 2023 to see how things shake out because it's really going to separate and divide the people who have structured their finances and the way that they look at you know, money and their retirement funds and real estate investments and all that stuff and how they've structured it. And then really, it's going to separate those versus the people who maybe haven't planned amply for downturns, recessions, and all that stuff. So you're really going to see two separate groups shaking out like over the next couple, several months, year, two years. Yeah. And I should have put this shared to my screen first to kind of put people in perspective. We're going to look at the interest rate chart for the last 25 years. Just put you guys in perspective. Again, if you're driving, don't stop your car and all that. Just you know, come back and look at the replay on YouTube. So this is Canadian. Again, we're going to look at US first, of course, because you know Canada usually follow US and it can't be too far apart where it will hurt their import and export business. Okay. So for the 25 years before the dot-com bubble, Kind of went as high as over six percent, and then right after dot com bubble, you know, typical they reduce interest rate, hit the bottom of two thousand four from six percent down to like one percent, and then start raising the interest rate right before the two thousand seven. It's almost like they know something's happening, so they want to kind of get those tool back in case they need to quantitative easing again. 
So 2007, they kind of plateau at 5%. And right after 2008, went straight back down to almost 0%. And that stays the longest from 2009 to 2016. This is just the past 25 years. And then it started hiking a little bit after 2016 until kind of COVID happened. But it only went as high as 2.25% in like 2019, end of 2019, and then dropped to almost again 0%. And now we come back to recent times since mm-hmm. May. So if we look at one year chart. But before you get off that chart, could you go yeah. back to, it's really interesting if you look at the trends of the charts, right? Like in between 2005 to 2007 time period, you see the trend is kind of, there's still like a slope right there. But then if you're looking at recent times, 2021, 2022, where the trend is going up, it's almost a straight vertical line at this point. It's just shooting straight up versus yeah. at least you had some type of in the past, some type of like a gradual increase. Yeah. It's almost like the government didn't plan for this and they really just try to put water at all kinds, all the fires, right? So just to put it into perspective, this is the fastest rate hike in terms of the speed since 1950, like the fastest or even in history. Like, I don't want to say that because my research only go back to 1950. Fastest rate hike. So it's definitely shocking a lot of people. And if there's another one coming, you know, it could be one of the fastest rate hike already and then make it even more scary, right? Again, the Canadian side, I'll say very similar. So we'll just focus on the U.S. side of things. And let's talk about like how the interest rate hike is impacting everyone's life and how is it impacting the stock market and the real estate market. Maybe we can let Helene talk about the real estate market and I can talk about the stock market and they can talk about the everyday life kind of thing. Yeah. So within real estate, what we're seeing right now is deals are much getting harder and harder to find in terms of things penciling out making sense. So there's a little bit of a disconnect right now between, you know, the buyers and the sellers who are looking to buy and then they're looking at the interest rates and trying to pencil things out, you know, making some a certain rate of return that we're not seeing or what they're not used to seeing, you know, even earlier this year versus the sellers who are still trying to catch up with the market and trying to not really coming to the realization about where we currently are in the market right now and where it's going to be going. And so in Real estate in general, it's just getting harder and harder to find those great deals that actually pencil out. There's still good deals out there to be found. It's just you're going to have to do more digging into it. You're also going to be looking a little bit more creatively. So things like going to doing a typical loan, a commercial loan, it might not pencil out, but there might be some creative things that people are looking at now, like creative like seller financing or some types of other options out there so that the deals that they're looking at actually still make sense and they're able to make some type of return that they're used to. But definitely the returns in the real estate, you're not getting those same returns as people in the past have been typically accustomed to. Yeah, that's a very good insight. And we're seeing the same in Canada. We're just having a chat with a lot of brokers recently. And, you know, some people know that we're looking at, you know, already been and planning starting a real estate fund in Southwest Florida through for short-term rental or for that very reasons, because traditional ways of you know, just long-term rental or even multifamilies, the spread between your profit, it's getting squeezed a lot, especially when the interest rate goes up, right? As when your cost for borrowing is higher, you know, the return is still the same, but your overall return is a lot less. Your net income is a lot less, right? So you can't yeah. promise your investor as much and just put more stress on 
so-called operator or general partner to maneuver that. Yeah, so, but that being said, too, you know, even though you're not seeing the same returns, but real estate still has been proven to have the most resiliency during times of recession and hedging against inflation rates. So if I'm looking to put my bet somewhere, you know, real estate still has a lot of those really great aspects that you're not going to be seeing in other asset classes as well. Mm -hmm. So even though you're not getting those same returns, but at the same time, it is a really still good place to still recession resilient mm -hmm. and then also hedging against inflation. Yeah, that's a great call. Historically, 90% of millionaires are made from real estate and you know, real estate is a necessity for people to live in. But, you know, it turns into there's a lot of people use it as a vehicle, as investing to hold wealth, generate wealth, generational wealth and all that. So has proven to be work really well. And, you know, it's just reason there's more short term rental stuff coming out because of COVID kind of give it a boost, but also still population growth in certain area. Again, like real estate is very localized. It's hard to talk about in the general terms, but if you look hard enough and do your due diligence, you will always find, for example, the area we're looking in Southwest Florida for the last eight months, a double in price for certain properties. So gives to say that most time you're like, everything's going down. No, like certain area double in price. And so, you know, it's very localized, but there's always opportunity if you know what you're doing and do your due diligence. So that is kind of <laughs> real estate just proven to be time and time over again, uh, just really define the gravity of inflation. Even Charlie Munger, well-known like partner of uh, Warren Buffett on Berkshire Hathaway, he owns a lot of apartment buildings as well, <laughs> for people that doesn't know, and his personal portfolio. So that's real estate. Real estate is, is solid. But whatever we have seen in the market too is a lot of people who are already stretched in the real estate investing market using very high interest loans. Now, with the hike in the interest rate, they ran out of money even faster and they're calling left, right, and center to get more loans. So that is something that's a bit alarming. Uh, and I was just having Travis on Insider yesterday is that in the past, you know, in 2008 in US, the subprime mortgage rate, there was you know, a lot of frauds, you know, even your dog can get a mortgage. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some dogs are three mortgage, right? Nothing like that's happening in US. So back in the day, that's say US a lot of more frauds, less A lender, right? Top lender mortgage. But now that kind of flip in Canada, there's more of those B lenders, C lenders, private lenders. There's about 25% of those and only 75% of uh, A lender loans. So we're seeing a tick up in the more riskier side. And the more you're leveraged, the more likely you might get into trouble. So that's the trend we're seeing. And I just want to throw it out however you want to interpret it and all that because we have a lot of developer friends, a flipper friends, a lot of them just get into trouble when their money runs dry, construction cost goes up and all that and couldn't sell it at the price they want. You tend to have to hold it and then they don't have the money to hold it. That's where they get pinched. And that's all I have to say about real estate. Do you have anything to add, Aline? No, I think that covers most of it. We don't have too much time. I mean, we can talk about this all day, but kind of want to get into a little bit of the stock side of things too and what you're seeing in this because you're the expert here, Cody. <laughs> I want to say I'm the expert. Again, I don't <laughs> well, have a crystal Between ball. the two of us, you are the expert. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Between the brother and the sister, I'm the expert here. So... Like if we, I forgot to share the chart when we're talking about this again, S and P 500 
kind of drop about like 22 to 24% since the height. And there's other stocks, like other big blue chip stocks that drop a lot more. You know, one of the biggest company in Canada called Shopify. A lot of people use their service. Mm-hmm. Here uh, too a, in the US. Yeah. It was a number one company in terms of market capital, in terms of the market evaluation, right? How many outstanding shares times the share price? They were the most valuable. It dropped from first to 18 in Canada in just one year. And the stock price dropped 85%. So for people who are new to the stock market and all that, if you're this could be some great time to pick up good stocks, but at the same time, you want to be very careful because a lot of companies are growing, but the stock market are dropping because of a fearful could be once in a lifetime buying experience. They say the same thing after COVID. But I would say just follow the great investor closely and see what they're doing. Follow their money, kind of like Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, other big investors. See where they're floating their money, not what they're saying. And you can find out a lot of trail. And overall, my personally, you know, not stock wise, but I'm still very bullish on the US market. I still think S&P 500 is one of the best investment you can do, can invest in because you don't pick a ship you pick this ship because this is the best of the 500 companies in US. The top one can go down, but the next one will come up, right? So this is the ship for the US. Instead of you sweating and reading all the earning reports and do all that, S&P 500 has been having an average return of 8 to 10% for the last 70 years. So if you don't know what you're doing or you know you just want a more hands-off way, cost average into this, you will probably be okay in the long term and have the growth. But in terms of the stock market, based on our research, there might be more drop. Fortunately, I have to say that. We don't want to see that. But on the flip side is this. This year is a midterm election year, right? November the 8th in US. And typically market drop before the midterm election and averaging 14% year over year after the midterm election year. Let me say that again, averaging 14% growth year over year after midterm election since 1950. And it's 18 to zero of a positive year after midterm election. So we have a mix of high inflation, high interest rate, bearish market, but at the same time, the odds are telling us that after midterm election is doing really well as well. So again, it's hard to time the market, but when we're filming this is October 20th. So the best way is really cost average in to you know a market index like this. And if you want to pick up some stocks for long-term, pay dividend, bank stocks, all that, give you a good opportunity. And of course, I got to plug in my own stuff. If you want to learn about set and done options, that's based on S&P 500. You can find it on my website, Instagram, and all that. You can watch a free webinar. And we basically use S&P 500 as a vehicle to generate cash flow 1% to 4% per month. Yeah. So, but it's hard, right, Cody? Like when, especially if you are an employee or working for a company and you're looking at your retirement funds. And if you're looking at it day over day, you're just seeing those red numbers every single day. And that's really hard. That's hard to take a look at, especially if you're banking on this pool of money for when your retirement, for your retirements. And now you're just, seeing that being dwindled away during this time period. But mm-hmm. is it better to, I'm not saying that this is advice or anything like that, but during this time of speculation and the stock market's kind of changing, you know, is it better to kind of just sit tight 
reevaluate and look at the different options that you have within your portfolio, diversify into different things or just not do anything? (laughs) (laughs) That's a very great question. You know, what's interesting though. So I'm just sharing a little bit of the background. So when the EV or Tesla was really hot right after COVID, right? The stock price went through the roof. Everyone thinks oil and gas as dinosaurs, they're fossil. They're like getting face out. And that's exactly when the oil price, you know, went really down and a flip around went all the way back up. And now we're seeing the same thing in the bond market. So people doesn't know your pension fund, whether it's in US or Canada, usually they have a split between equity, which is in stocks. Usually they put it in index or mutual funds, whatever. And there's another portion that's in bonds and bonds is really controlled by the interest rate, right? Very closely related to interest rate. Interest rate has been at the historical lows or even Warren Buffett come out and say, Bonds are garbage. Like he actually say that. Bonds are garbage. But here's the thing, though. If you think of as a contrarian, every time something is a garbage, there might be opportunity there. I remember my fiance at that time was, I don't know how you call that in, in English, but fiance's dad was like, Cody, here's some money. Can you go buy me some oil future? I'm like, <laughs> and he was right. He was right, right? He's in his 60s. He doesn't invest anything, but he's like, Cody, I think there's an opportunity there. And he was right. We didn't do anything. But who's to say that the bond market went on? Because when it drops so much, everyone thinks it's a garbage, that there could be some opportunity. Again, we don't know how long you have to wait for that to come up, but we've seen that in the market rotation, right? Whenever something is beaten down too much, it's kind of bound to come back up to mean. So if you have your portfolio, have your pension funds kind of down, don't have to worry too much because they do rebalance the pension funds and all the index funds inside tend to rebalance and the government will try to do again some of you guys believe that some of you guys don't but government will try to protect that pension fund and i know there's a lot of rumors saying the pension funds might not hold in some countries and that could be true but instead of panicking looking at those and just think about what should you do it's more about what can you do right now to increase your income and hedge those inflation? Maybe that start diversifying your investment, think about increase your income, other side hustle jobs, or just reorganize everything and prepare yourself, put yourself in a great position, right? But instead of just looking at something and panic and talk about it, but the action is really more important than that. And less people are doing that. So I know all the listeners listening to this podcast are high income earners. So Learn from this and think about it. If you need help, reach out to Aline or myself. We can definitely provide more value from there. All the links mentioned in this episode are included in the show notes. And if you love this episode, please leave us a rating and review on Apple iTunes. The link is also included in the show notes. And we would really appreciate your help in spreading the word to more high income earners on how they too can maximize both their time and money. Also, if you still haven't joined our high income earners Facebook group, You are missing out on high income earners community where we help each other reach our own version of fire.